Live from Gutter Cat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hey, yo, what is going on? It's so good to see so many people hopping into this space. Welcome. And if you're listening to the podcast, hello from all around the world. And welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today's guest is yet another incredible success story in the NFT space of how you can build organic growth around providing value to others in the space. After dabbling in NFTs, today's guest became intrigued with this new world and used his analytical background to break down data about NFT projects in the space. Since joining Twitter in March of this year, he has become one of the most followed individuals in the NFT space because of the constant value he provides the community. From zero to over 110,000 followers in seven short months and over 12,000 Substack subscribers, he is a testament to how conviction and providing value organically is the best way to achieve success. It's my honor to share the stage for the second time on the Crazy About Crypto show with the one and only Zeneca. What is going on, man? Welcome back. Wow. Well, uh, thank you. (laughs) That was quite an intro. Uh, I'm happy to be here. It's uh, it's always fun having you on the show, and I'm excited that we were able to pull you back, um, especially with how busy you are. But uh, there's, I think our first show, we definitely, both of us didn't have as many followers, so I think a lot of people may have missed, too, since I wasn't able to get it recorded, kind of your journey into the space. So we can start with a minute or two just of you kind of going through, you know, your journey into the crypto and NFT space, what you did before this, because I think it's fascinating and uh and then we can go from there yeah sure so before cryptos and nfts i was a professional poker player which is basically all i did for the last 15 years so i went like high school tried university didn't really take because <laughs> i was already playing poker and then i just stuck with that so that was you know already a non-traditional sort of background and it sort of made the transition into sort of full-time crypto and nfts a lot more seamless i guess because I already had a non-traditional job. I wasn't working for anyone. I'd never worked for anyone. I was just at home, you know, playing online poker in front of a computer, doing stuff. And then I just shifted my attention sort of to crypto and NFTs. Uh, I sort of got involved first in 2016, 2017, I think, like a lot of people and like dabbled. And then the bear market hit and sort of, you know, lost interest and went back to real life or, or poker or whatever. And then towards the start of this year, when everything started popping off again, I started taking interest. I had some friends that were still in the space and I started hearing about NFTs and how crazy like some of the prices were. And obviously I thought this is some big scam, you know, the thousands of dollars for JPEGs. It doesn't really make sense. It takes a while and, and just takes a while to get, to wrap your head around and understand it. But eventually I did, I read some articles and it finally clicked and I, I just saw how cool and awesome they were. And I wanted to be more involved and I sort of made a conscious decision to like dedicate a significant more amount of my time and energy to crypto and then it sort of just eventually focused all into nfts as the nft space continued to grow uh as well and then um yeah i guess somewhere like i spent a lot of time trading you know buying flipping uh, selling in the short term and somewhere along the way i 
just started creating content in the form of my newsletter, uh, largely because I have always felt the best way for me to learn is if I write about it and teach, or like try and explain something to others because it requires me to do a ton of research into whatever it is I want to talk about. Uh, and then, yeah, my daily stats. And then we started a podcast, Discord, YouTube coming out, and my own NFT coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, stop, man. Yeah. I mean, you, do you ever sleep is the real question. I I think it's so funny because when we first did this show a couple months ago, you had started your Substack, uh, and, and now it's just like, you're just constantly com- compiling more and more things to your list. Um, I remember after the show, I was like, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? You're like, yeah, we're actually, I'm going to be doing one with a friend. And it's like, yeah. now that's taken off. And, uh, you know, you've become, you're just constantly there. And so far, everything that you've done is just given out to, for free, which I have mad respect for. You just constantly giving out, you know, advice to the community, trying to help other people in the space, which is no wonder why you've blown up and uh, become so successful when it comes to you know people looking to you uh, for content. And the threads that you put out are just incredible. You know, even if you're not aware of a project, you can find new projects just looking at it. But it's also funny to look. at if you go back to the beginning or like two months ago, I think when we first had our show, we were talking about how long the list we're getting. And <laughs> and now it's just, it's kind of humorous looking back at now, like that was actually nothing. Uh, and it's yeah. like, how difficult has it been to stay up to date with this market, the 24 hour news sound cycle? What is it like trying to stay up to date and be able to provide like valuable content uh, every week for people? Yeah. So, you know, when I first started tracking projects, I think I had like six on my list in, I don't know when it was, May or June or something. Uh, or maybe it was a little earlier, but anyway. And then um, as the space completely blew up, it, it grew to like 50, 60 and then 100. And I think we're at like 200 projects or something now. I have like two sheets and I was basically doing it all manually up until about a month ago. Uh, and originally like it didn't take that long. If it was still 50 projects, I could, you know, crank it out in 20 minutes and it wasn't a big deal. But as the list grew and as I had to check more projects, it just, you know, obviously took more time and uh, I decided, you know, I just, it doesn't make sense for this to be manual anymore. So thankfully I had, um, someone on Twitter reach out and offer the help and he's, uh, been working alongside me every day for the last few weeks, just sort of tweaking the, the spreadsheet, adding new features. And like there's now um, like little graphs you can see over the last seven days. And uh, I mean, all of that really helps. So now I don't have to spend a ton of time tracking the projects. I just get to you know check it, look through the project, see what's moved, what hasn't. And then maybe I'll like do some little research into the projects that have had like a significant movement um, to try and see if there's a reason for that. But um, yeah, it, it's sort of a case now where it's, it's easy to get a macro view of the market but um, I have very little idea of what's happening like sort of on an individual level it, as opposed to, you know, a few months ago, I, I knew pretty well, like I was in every discord that I was tracking and I knew what was going on and it's, that's just not possible anymore. Yeah. And this, this is a perfect lead up to the next question because of how fast news travels. I mean, you, you are pretty much up to date. I feel like you have to be of new, at least bigger projects. I, you may not cover all projects that get uh, a, you know, release, but you're up to date with pretty much anything uh, newsworthy that's coming out. But I was curious, as you've kind of taken on more of these responsibilities, trying to do the newsletter, doing the podcast, uh, do you have time? Are you still 
still flipping or are you becoming more of a long term like I'm I'm just going to hold my bags uh that I really believe in uh tell us a little bit about the journey of you know finding the projects that you truly have like a lot of conviction about uh and you know your how you go about trading now that you're so busy and you can't stay uh, up to date and be watching when someone posts you know something worth sniping all the time yeah so I'm definitely doing you know far less active trading now than several months ago but even even you know one to two months ago maybe, yeah maybe like four to five weeks ago I was already starting to sort of wind down and, and move away from the flipping game and more towards content creation uh, advisory roles like consulting projects and, and how to you know, uh, deliver the best version of their products uh, and less on the, the trading and more on like buying for the long term. Uh, I sort of realized a couple of things. For starters, uh, it's just sort of like, it's just stressful and more stressful and more time in, in, uh, involved in playing the short-term flipping game because like you said, you sort of need to be on your computer so that when there is a sniping opportunity, when some pro hot project just stealth launches, you want to be there, you want to take advantage of it and then, you want to be tracking the market, secondary market for a while afterwards to see when you want to sell, what price you want to sell at, check rarities. And like, it, it takes a lot of time and, and it is a bit of stress. Um, but, but two, two bigger issues, I think that maybe you want to step away from that. One is that um, it's just simply not scalable. So as you get more success in the space, as your bankroll grows, uh, if you want to make investments in NFTs or in NFT projects of like, the same relative size as a percentage of your whole bankroll, what well, used to be, you know, buying one, two, three NFTs from every drop or collection and then, you know, selling one or two, holding one, mm. now turns into you want to buy 10, 20, 50, 100, 200, 500. And then the amount of time it takes to look through them all, see what's rare, list them for sale. And then by the time you've done that, there's another drop coming and it's just absolutely not scalable. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing is that it's just not fulfilling either. Like the, the flipping game, it's like a scalping game. It's like mm -hmm. you're buying these and then, what you you're sort of like dumping them on other people obviously if they're buying them they think it's worth more than what you're selling it for and, and that's just how the free market works but um it, it does feel like you're sort of competing against others in that way to just make the most out of it and time the market and sell before the prices tank and all that kind of stuff um and it was just too similar to poker as well like i already lived 15 years of poker which is absolutely not a fulfilling career choice it, it's you know it's fun and it can be lucrative and you know engaging and all that but I don't think any professional poker player will say it's fulfilling. And yeah, so I, I sort of wanted to move away from that and focus more on my content and sort of helping the space by spreading whatever educational knowledge that I may have. Um, and then now sort of working on the next level, which is working with other projects, launching their NFTs and trying to make them launch the best versions of their projects. And then uh, have my own project coming up soon, which again is something that I want to um, yeah, use as a place to sort of build and grow rather than focus on the, the trading. You know, I absolutely love something that you mentioned and something we talk a lot about on this show, which is just like the importance of finding your place in this community. And there is a place like when anyone starts in the NFT space, or if you're starting out investing, there's in order to kind of, you know, like you said, kind of start a bankroll, sometimes you need to do that flipping, you need to kind of move up, especially if you don't have the money to get into a project you're really looking for. And you hear really success stories all the time. I had Sip City on here, you know, back in the day when he had flipped all the way up to a punk um, back in like April or May, starting out with just a few hundred 
dollars. And it's just cool to hear those stories. But then at some point, like you said, after you're in the space for a while, you if you continue to do that, it can burn you out. And it is so much different when you're building a project or when you're trying to add value to the space. And at the end of the day, it, it seems like when we if once we are at a point where we can start providing value, whether you're an artist doing art, whether you're, you know, someone that's that likes to get up and go on spaces doing that, whenever you find your place, the this entire NFT movement feels different too because of the people that you start interacting with. And I'd love for you to just talk about kind of the journey of getting to know different people uh, and just feeling like this almost being much more mission and vision driven uh, and feeling like you're really helping others than just like helping yourself. Yeah, I mean, the people in the space are just by and large incredibly fantastic and amazing, friendly. Uh, yeah, like I've made more friends in the last eight months than I had in the last, you know, 12 years or something um, by, by a long way because it's just it, it's just sort of the nature of the space right now where everyone is forming these sort of little communities within particular NFTs. Um, but then also the whole sort of the entire space is one big community and I mean, I say big, it's still relatively small compared to say the regular crypto community or anything like on a large worldwide scale. Um, you know, if we're at what, 100 to 200,000 people, it's, it, yes, it's large, but it's not enormous. And especially if you're sort of, if you're in the space every day, you're talking to other people that are in the space every day, working on projects, you know, developers, artists, you start to get to know the people and, and it really does seem like a, a nice close knit community in that it, it by and large, people are sort of here for, um, I mean, yes, what draws a lot of people to the space, myself included, is and was the money, mm -hmm. um, just as an opportunity to create wealth, find wealth, financial freedom, all that kind of stuff. Um, but what makes people really want to stay and stay here for the long run, I think, is this sort of collective vision of this future that we're sort of molding and building together. Um, and just we all see that, like, what, is possible, what will be possible, a lot of the awesome things that have happened are happening and will happen, um, like empowering creators all around the world. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's awesome. I love the community and I love, I love everything about it. I, I love the that you know that you mentioned like a lot of people anyone that hears about crypto they hear about usually stories from people that have been successful made some money in the space they're like oh I want to get in on this inevitably that's the number one uh, you know force to bring people into this space uh, but with that being said I love what you mentioned because it's like this space is evolving in such a strange way that even for some of us you know that we just got into the NFT space this year uh, let alone if you've been in it for years, you've been able to see this play out time and time again, but especially with this bull run since, uh, you know, December of 2020, all the way into, into today. One thing that I think is fascinating is like, even our ideas and beliefs of what is possible continue to um, evolve. Like I, I thought it was so funny back when I was buying uh, Bored Apes. And I thought, wow, this is such a funny name, Bored Ape Yacht Club, like it would be cool if they actually could have a yacht club, but they'll never be able to do that and now you look at the bankroll they have and you're like holy shit they could create multiple yacht clubs all over yeah. the world and uh it's just like talk about a little bit about how 
now you seeing the space evolve even just after six months and the bankroll that some of these projects are starting to be able to accumulate to give back to their communities, especially on the heels of NFT NYC, where we saw all of the amazing things that, you know, they were able to give back to the community and be able to do these in real life things. Um, how does that change your perspective on the space uh, from coming in where, you know, just even at the beginning of this year, you're like, this looks like a scam to like, talk to us a little bit about what you think about the space today. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's grown tremendously in such a short amount of time uh, in many different directions. When I sort of was first getting into it, it did seem like just a ton of it was purely art based uh, and you buy NFTs and what would you do with them? You would hang them in a gallery in crypto voxels and a few people would look at them and, you know, you'd have them in your wallet and you'd trade them or, or sell them. And yes, they go up in value and yeah, that was fun. Um, and then there were a few projects doing some really cool things um, like Zedron and Axie, obviously, with the gaming. And that was a whole other, whole other thing. But you didn't really, I think, have these community NFTs like... Yes, there were CryptoPunks and then there were hash masks and Avastars and, you know, Mooncats moon and a bunch of sort of generative collectible projects before the Board Ape Yacht Club. But it was truly with the, with the, with the apes that um, they sort of intentionally decided to create this community aspect. Uh, I don't know if they thought of it as a community first. I mean, a, a club is obviously what they have in the name. Um, but, you know, clearly there was a massive demand for that. A lot of people either existing in the space or more likely new to the space saw that and was like, Hey, yes, we, uh, we, we resonate with that. We can afford your apes as in a way that they couldn't likely afford punks or you know, even hash masks or a lot of things that were previously around. Um, and yeah, it sort of just boomed at the, at the right time. Like there are enough people and uh, it, it sort of created this uh, like spark that lit off a flood of, you know, dozens to hundreds of other, you know, copycat projects or people taking inspiration from the board apes using this community idea because they saw how successful it was and how much demand there was. And from there, we've seen so many other projects uh, explode on the back of that. And I think we're all like all the projects kind of innovating and figuring it out at the same time, because this hasn't really been done before, where there's these collective worldwide communities with significant financial means at their disposal uh, to, to do cool stuff with and you know what are you going to do with it? It, it you know the apes are like hey we'll do a companion drop we'll give you another nft mm -hmm. um and then now it's like they're moving into in real life stuff and um you know other projects doing other cool things coming up with games and um art things and yeah it's just awesome seeing what people are coming up with you know, it is so fascinating that you said that because uh, it just takes me back just to uh, even like March or April, if you remember all the bonding curve projects, uh, even with like oh, the Avatar. I hated those. They're so bad, right? But now, like looking back, you start to realize, like, oh, wow, this is what they got wrong. Like they weren't thinking about community. They were thinking about funding for themselves. They were thinking about money. How could they, how could they kind of FOMO people into paying more for their project? And once those all went to bust, that's kind of when the Bored Apes actually were born, was through mm -hmm. the failure of all of those kind of bonding curve schemes, people losing all kinds of money. Um, and and that it was like all of those people that were so angry about all this shit that's just getting thrown around at the market, Nifty Gateway flooding everything uh, on in their market with artists. It was like it was impossible to see success. There was just way too much supply and way too much scheming that is like all of these people that are 
or just good intention came together. And then you saw like this born of these communities where you, in order for any sort of project to come up, to go up, and that we talk a lot about this is like, you have to have a strong community. You have to have holders. You can't, it, not everyone can be a flipper because then it will invent, eventually f- collapse on you. Uh, and so you have to create these strong communities. And it's been fascinating to see kind of the networking uh, that's been happening on Twitter and like this, like that's really when this evolution of like this new world has started to develop is through, you know, a lot of failures of testing. And it just, uh, it, it reminds me that of the evolution of the space um, and what, what we can see um, coming from a lot of things. So when you are uh, talking to new people about this space, um, is, it, is it still a lot of questions mainly about trading, about projects, what people think are, is going to boom? Um, and what are some of the things that you try to teach like people that are new to the space within a couple weeks or maybe they've been in the space a month or so? I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. Like there's such a wide array of things. Like the learning curve is so steep yeah. that people just come to me with like, if they're in the space for a day, a week, a month, so many questions from all different angles from um, like, how do I even get ETH into MetaMask to, to begin with and, and how to install MetaMask and use that. And then there's people who want to know how do you find new projects? And then there's people who want to know how do you, like after you found them, how do you evaluate them? How do you know which project is good to invest in or buy in and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then it's just like, there's like, even those of us who've been in the space for eight months, we're still figuring it out and learning. Yeah. So it's difficult to sometimes remember what it was like when we were first getting in the space. But sometimes I try and put myself in those shoes and it, I just, I remember being so overwhelmed. Like I, I actually found a chat log, I think from one of the very first times I was, I heard about NFTs and crypto punks and I wanted to sort of get involved a little bit. And I had a friend, a friend of a friend actually, who had been in the space. And um, so with punks, there was sort of a punks token, an ERC20 token, which was basically like a tokenized, fractionalized version of a crypto punks, which you could buy and sell on sushi swap. And, you know, th- before, like, this was when I knew what punks were, because I read some article, I knew what NFTs were, but I didn't know what SushiSwap was. I didn't know what MetaMask was. I didn't know, like, any of this stuff. So I, um, I asked my friend, um, how do we, you know, how can I buy some punks? And he was like, oh, you, you just fund MetaMask, you know, go to SushiSwap, find the token pair, you know, you might have to import it, and then, you know, <laughs> pay the gas. And, like, right. I remember thinking, I, this is another language. <laughs> what, what? What? I don't yeah. understand any of this. Um, but now, obviously, it, we sort of just presume that people know what MetaMask is and, and how to, you know, transact. And it, it really is a, a steep learning curve that we, I mean, it will get better over time. The, the the friction for new people to enter the space as the technology evolves, as the software and user interfaces evolve, um, it'll make it easier. Um, plus, sort of, there'll just be better education out there. Like, right now, there's not really a great place. If a, if a new person comes to the space, if one of my friends comes and asks me, hey, I want to get into NFTs, where should I go? There just isn't a, a place for me to say, go here. Like, there's not a, a good one single resource. It might be, here are a couple of good videos I would recommend, read these few articles, um, follow these people on Twitter, join a bunch of discords, and yeah. then just ask me questions, <laughs> and I'll, I'll answer. Right. And um, there's some projects out there sort of tackling this problem now, um, which is great, and I think important, but... Um, 
yeah, it's a steep learning curve yeah. for sure. I mean, to a certain extent, you've been uh, doing a lot of your your own onboarding um, with your Substack and helping people understand projects. It's like, but you're right. There's so many different elements. You know, like the human psyche is such an interesting thing because we forget. You know, it, it's like we went through that struggle, but as soon as we got past it, it's like <laughs> we forget about it. It's just, and, yeah. and then when it comes to onboarding people, it's like, how do you? It's so easy. Like, why don't you get it? But even just trying trying to back up your wallet or trying to, you know, worry about security, which is like such an important thing. It's like, uh, we saw so many people for months and months. It seemed like every week someone was losing a hundred thousand dollars in this space because of, uh, of Mm. scams. And so it is, it's like this onboarding is a serious thing that has to be addressed. And, um, I'm, I'm so happy and glad that you're in the space to kind of help with that because it really, I think that's another thing that, uh, any sort of creator, we realize that this is really, we're a community right now now, even the people that are creating content, because there's going to be so many different um, avenues, people need different types of information. And so uh, it's just it's really cool to be able to uh, build in the space with so many people that see the potential of future. Um, One thing that I want to talk about linking back to the human psyche is like, uh, trading, you know, you know, humans, there's so many psychologists that have come out and say, like, humans are not uh, like fit as a species to be like good at investing. It's like against our nature because we're so emotional. So I'm curious, um, you know, especially in a time like right now where the market's going down, how how this can affect not only people trading, um, but then also how it can affect, you know, kind of the way people look at this market and the importance of content creators to kind of help guide people so that they're not losing and then walking away because they just get so upset because it seems like a lot of the noise are people for months that have been making gains but then they're not seeing all the people losing money and and there's a lot of people that struggle in these in these moments where there's a correction yeah it's a real issue and i think it i mean it's difficult to hold projects sort of through bear markets and not sort of panic overly mm-hmm. both both in terms of selling your things or just like emotional turmoil um, if you don't have conviction in the projects that you bought into. And it's difficult to have that conviction if you haven't researched them, been in the space for a while and understand them. Um, and, you, if so, and, and if you're not in the project for those right reasons. And because a lot of people come to the space sort of seeking get rich quick or just like seeking the gains that they've seen other people make 10x, 100x, 1000x in some cases. Um, and they think, maybe not even think that it'll be easy or expect, or, but they hope that, that mm-hmm. it'll be easy. Yeah. And they think, hey, you know, everyone in the NFT space has been making money. I'm just going to try and buy a few projects that other people have bought. Um, this one looks good. And then all of a sudden we get a market correction, prices tank and they panic. And in a lot of cases, people invested more. Um, perhaps in the quote unquote should have, or like just a higher percentage in this, because it is a very high risk environment. Um, Perhaps, you know, yeah. And then they, they panic and worry, you know, if it goes to zero, that's a disaster for me. So if it's down 30, 40%, they'll sell. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's, we see it in crypto, we see it in stock trading, we see it in NFTs, any sort of trading asset, even see it in poker. And it's just sort of, it's inevitable. And it's, it's, it's difficult to avoid. It's like, yeah, the only way to sort of ride it out is to experience these cycles, these markets, and to understand why you're in projects and have conviction in them. 
Um, and so my first bit of advice that I give to anyone new to the space is just always be patient. Like it's so tempting to want to just jump in and buy NFTs because NFTs are fun and they're exciting and they're cool and they can be profitable. And you mm. see other people around you buying them and your friends buying them and you want them, but it's, it takes a long time to understand which ones should, you should buy or that might be right for you. Um, and then if you just jump in immediately and start buying, um, it's very easy to make, you know, a few missteps, bad mistakes. And then all of a sudden you either like, you have a sour taste in your mouth about the space, you're turned off, or you just, you know, you've lost your investment money and you can't really afford to um, buy into a newer project that you might find more appealing later on. I mean, I just, I mean, all of that advice is so important and pertinent, especially uh, given kind of the market that we're in as Ethereum and Bitcoin are going up. Um, we saw this happen a couple, about a month and a half ago, where there there's always a slight correction because people trying to liquidate and get more liquid into the cryptos. And then we kind of see a lull in coming back. Um, and for those of us that have been through those cycles, whether it's in the NFT market or whether before it was the crypto market, we're, we're watching this and we know, we kind of know the cycle, we've been through it. But also, on top of that, because we were patient or because we had conviction and didn't lose everything the last time this happened, a lot of times we're up even during the downtimes. Um, and sometimes I feel like that's something that's, easy, you know, that's kind of the power of being in a market long term. And in today's world, it's be, the news and our brains are so... Uh, constantly going in so many directions that, you know, because you're so involved and ingrained in this market, uh, it's not like the stock world where you go and invest and then you leave and you don't think about it for a year. And when you come back, it's up 5%, you know, but the gains <laughs> that are being made are con like crazy in this space because we're so early and the projects that are going to make it end up, you know, that are, are going to make a lot of people very wealthy but in the volatility of the short term it can it can be so brutal and it can hurt so many people and it's like the projects that i just recently you know put more liquidity in are the ones i'm all i'm almost all down in any investment i've made in the last like three weeks or a month even and those projects are for the most part uh, in in a loss and i can just imagine people new to the space and how they're feeling right now kind of getting like nervous, frustrated, not sure what to do. I've already talked to several people that like liquidated and then, uh, and then it really does test your conviction. And I think that's why I, I try to talk about that on the show a lot is like, if you don't understand this space, if you come to your friend and ask him what you should buy, you're the first one that's about to get busted on your ass because you didn't, you had no idea what you were even buying to begin with. So you're going to get scared more. So the, the power of really doing research and what you're trying to help with goes, it's even more important and understanding and, and really getting to know the communities if you're trying to get into a community project so that you can see if you vibe with it and if you understand it and get it before you kind of make that leap. Um, and I, I'm just glad that you brought that up because, because in this market, it's insane. And the other thing that we see is when Ethereum starts to rocket, the price of gas goes up. And you talked about this a little on your podcast, but you know, when we're dollar basing things and you have new traders dollar basing instead of crypto basing, it's a, it's a whole different world when it comes to cost on these networks and talk about the impact that has to on the market. Yeah, you're absolutely right that, you know, when ETH prices go up, it just makes it harder for new people entering the space to justify in their mind, you know, a 0.1 ETH mint price, which several months ago would have been $200. Now it's, you know, $450. It's, 
it's, it is just more expensive. Like for those of us in the space, a lot of the time, a lot of us think in ETH terms, one ETH is one ETH, one NFT is, you know, NFTs are in ETH, but we can't forget that the majority of new people to the space will be thinking in dollar terms. So it does just make things more expensive. So we should often look at the price of NFTs in dollars as well as in NFTs. Um, and yeah, I mean, the point about with uh, ETH prices going up and just or down whenever there's a lot of activity with, with ETH price, um, gas price tends to spike and that just completely destroys the NFT market. And we're seeing that right now. It's, it's just, uh, it's calamitous basically. You know, it's almost, it reminds me of almost a class system in a sense of like ecosystems, right? You have like, um, you have tranches in society even where, you know, people don't even understand that world. And it, it makes me kind of wonder, um, at least until all of this uh, layer two stuff gets figured out with ETH, if it's like, you know, people in this, the, the ecosystem that have been around long enough to really think in ETH equals one ETH, they're going to continue working on the ETH network. And, uh, but other networks may continue to pop up and there may be new people to those spaces because they don't, it's just too much to try to get into the Ethereum network. Um, have you Hello? seen? Sorry, you cut out for a second there. Oh, can you hear me again? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I was going to say, have you seen volume going up on some of these other, um, other networks as Ethereum has been pumping and is harder to purchase NFTs on? Um, I have, I'm not closely tracking any of the other networks. I just, I mean, I, it takes enough of my bandwidth just to say somewhat on top of what's happening on ETH. But um, anecdotally, I do think sort of Solana NFTs or just the network is pumping. And I think Tezos as well. Um, even like there's been some Phantom NFT drops, Avalanche or AVAX. I don't know what exactly it's referred to, but um yeah, all these other chains, they are definitely popping off more. Immutable X, uh, as a layer two, is is having more activity. So, yeah, I think as because gas is so high, uh, both projects who are considering launching will uh, and are definitely considering other blockchains or other layers instead of just ETH mainnet. Um, and buyers, consumers, are just, if they want to get into NFTs, it's just ETH doesn't make much sense, especially newcomers, especially if you're, Sort of, you only have five hundred dollars or thousand dollars to spend. You just literally, it makes zero sense to do that on Ethereum mainnet when gas is going to be fifty percent of the, the transaction fees. So um, it's just, it's just really hurting uh, new people and, and existing people from buying NFTs. And yeah, I think we are seeing that spill over into other other networks, but I can't say for sure that that's the effect. Yeah. But I imagine it is. I imagine it also affects um, any new project that wants to launch uh, on Ethereum that wants their price to be, you know, uh, reasonable. It, it, it affects them even if their project is really strong and they've been planning it for months. Yeah, definitely. I, I know a lot of projects are either repricing, which makes total sense, like because ETH price has gone up so much, it does make sense to lower your your, your mint price if you had it set in stone, say, six weeks ago. Um but also a lot of projects are considering uh, either delaying their launch, which I strongly do advise most projects because it just doesn't make too much sense to launch in the current environment. Saying that I'm launching in a couple of days, but that's I'll get to that later. <laughs> um, and yeah, I advise them to delay their launch or look at Immutable X or, uh, I mean, I'm not a huge proponent of Solana or Tezos or other blockchains as as sort of a place to launch, I would personally prefer or advocate for um, something that's layer two on Ethereum. But uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily, I'm not against it either. And I think that it's a perfectly fine option. I'm just not, um, I guess, 
I don't know enough about them to be a, a big supporter yet, but I do have NFTs on several other chains as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So one thing that I think is uh, is awesome, we've talked a lot about this, is all of the content you put out for free. And now, you know, I've talked about it all the time on this show too, is like I, everything in Web3 should feel different. And you could easily go and you could now, now that you have a following, people really listening to you, you could try and go get sponsors, you could get aver- you know, people to pay you, so you uh, start shilling their stuff. But uh, it just feels wrong. It doesn't feel the, the right way to go about it because we have new opportunities. So talk to me a little bit about the journey because I've been kind of thinking about the same stuff about why, how this uh, project you're going about, what you're doing, and why you decided to you know, create an NFT. Yeah, so basically for the longest time, I had the mindset that, you know, I want to put this content out there. I want it to be free largely because um, like, I I don't want this sort of paywall or barrier to entry for information for newcomers to the space. Like my daily stats, a lot of people find that helpful, especially when they're new to the space, they, they find out about projects they never heard about. And uh, you know, just seeing the track, all of it. And um, with my newsletter as well, it's on Substack and Substack has like this inbuilt mechanism for, if you want to make it a paid sub stack, you can charge people a monthly fee. And I've had tons of people say, you know, you should do that. You know, we would definitely pay. But again, like that's some content that I don't really want to put behind a paywall because I think that, again, it's very helpful to newcomers to the space. And I sort of always had some sort of inkling in the back of my mind that I could potentially monetize my content in a Web3 native way um, while still essentially providing the majority or all of it for free. And that's kind of what I'm going for with my, my NFT project. So it's, I have a Discord server, which I set up a few months ago. And actually my intention was for the whole Discord server to always be free as well and, and sort of have this NFT as a membership to say one private channel, whereas all of the rest of it would be, would be free content. But um, I sort of made a decision a few weeks back that the, the Discord itself would be gated sort of by, so if you have the NFT, then you get access to it. And uh, the main reason, well, there's a few main reasons, but one is that it just sort of protects the integrity and security of, of the Discord server. Like we've been seeing so many more scams and hacks and things happen in Discord lately that it, it actually, the decision was made before the more recent hacks, but uh, it was made because a couple of members in our server ended up getting scammed by basically just malicious act and scammers joining in a group, pretending to know each other, pretending to like be community members, posting a malicious link. And like one of our members clicked on it and they ended up losing some money. And it's like that kind of stuff. It, it's so difficult to protect against if you have a full open discord for everyone. Um, and I saw, so I want to create this sort of safer community. Um, and, and the best way I can figure to do that is to have this slight um, paywall to enter. And it's sort of an, a way that I can also uh, monetize my content in a decently web three native way. Um, and it, I mean, it's not a perfect system, but I'm, yeah, I'm content with it. And I think that it will absolutely allow me to um, continue to work on all the rest of my content for free and not feel like, um, like previously I, I was feeling like I needed to dedicate some amount of my time to still flipping and trading and trying to earn money because this is my full-time job now. And if I'm not actually actively trading and making money that way, and I'm just dedicating all my time to content, then I basically have no source of income. So uh, I've sort of decided I'll do an NFT 
um, and I'll potentially advise and work with projects on a closer basis in, in exchange for some payment there and use that, in essence, monetize my time via, via Web3. And yeah, that, that's basically what I'm doing. You know, the thing that I love about what you're doing, and I know there's been, I, I've, I've watched in the background and you've gotten attacked by some people I won't name, and it's just been really frustrating to me because it's, um, it, for people that are out here creating content, like it, it, it takes a lot of time and it's, uh, it's, it's because we care about the community and we're actually building community. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, uh, we, we do what we do and we're not getting paid at all. And we choose not to because we don't want to do things the way that the legacy system has worked. It's easy to monetize. You know, you can monetize your Substack, Like you said, we could, you could do all of those things. And uh, one thing that I just really admire is that you're thinking about it in a new way because everything in this space should feel innovative. And, and I think one thing that you're doing a great job of is you're thinking about, okay, I want to continue to do these things that I've been doing. How can I make this sustainable? And you have a lot of people that you've built trust in and built a community around. And now you can, you know, those people can choose to support you. And that's a that's a huge change than you making ad revenue from companies that you know your users may or may not want to hear from. They don't care about that. And so you're thinking, you know, let me continue to do this free service so that there's not all this noise that they don't need. And if they want to support it, they can. If not, that's okay. And I think that uh, it's just a really powerful thing. We haven't seen this new model yet. Uh, and so you're really innovating too, is something I've thought about. I know other creators think about how you monetize when you, cause this is our art, right? Your art is sitting down for 16 hours a day, analyzing stuff and helping the community. And so your art, you know, other people are, are investing in beautiful work that people put 16 hours a day in and why, you know, the art that you do is just as important. And I think that's uh, something that, you know, we're going to probably see from the drop, but when you have a community of people that really want to support you, uh, you're going to see them do that. And I think uh, it's going to set a legacy for, for the world that we can continue to build. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for it. Like we've seen a, there's been a few projects before me doing sort of, uh, utility tokens or membership tokens access to a private discord or to like there's MetaKey, which gets you access to um, a whole bunch of things that that's way more elaborate than me. It's like, I think you get like drops and access to future metaverse things. Um, and there's, and then there's obviously a few more private discords. That's basically just like alpha groups where people post calls and they, they share information about projects. And mine is um, more of just, yeah, a much larger community vision and, um, so I had about 11,000 people in my Discord before I decided to close it. And I, I basically told them all that they, they'll have a role so they can stay without having to pay because I didn't want to make anyone who had already been there pay. Um, but, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's just sort of really cool and exciting. Like I'm figuring a lot of this out as I go along. I'm trying to, like, at the last couple of weeks has been a lot of, you know, chopping and changing and, oh, that's not a great idea. Maybe I'll do this instead and listening to community feedback and, oh, okay. And I can potentially do this in the future. And, you know, um, you know, there are ways that I can have new people also enter the discord community without having to pay in the future. I can just set up 
maybe some sort of Google form where people can apply and, and just prove that they're not um, a scammer or not a bot or whatever. And, and we can get them in with a different role that's, you know, not as um, like there'll be other benefits for NFT holders and then people who don't have the NFT. And it's just, it's really cool seeing the, the space evolve and like the integration between Discord, especially and NFTs with things like Collab Land, where you can verify who owns and who doesn't own um, and all the things you can do in the future as well. It's, it's exciting and fun and I'm, I'm really excited for it. And uh, I think my community is too. Yeah, I think it's cool. You see the infrastructure being built and you can see kind of Twitter doing certain things as well that you can just kind of see how they evolve. Uh, all these different companies that are like making it easier for Web3 creators to really be able to think of different ways to use this so that their communities can support them. And uh, and and I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see how you're, you're really kind of, for, in terms of an individual creator, not like a content or like something that just brands with other people to give uh, stuff to, to others, but I think you're really doing something unique and that will be uh, kind of a roadmap to others that follow you. So, and you, you probably will learn some lessons uh, that people will be able to take away. And, uh, but yeah, you're just innovating. And in this space, I think it's so cool when we're able to continue to innovate and explore and be able to like create this new world when we don't have all the solutions and we're, we, uh, but we have to give it a shot because if we don't try, then like, then, then there's, there's no roadmap that can be created, you know, without the bonding curves, we wouldn't have got to the board API <laughs> club. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm sure that I'm going to make mistakes along the way and, and everyone is going to make mistakes or do there are going to be things where we like, Oh, could have done that way better if we look back on it in a few months, but um, you, we have to try things and take it from there yeah. and learn. Right on. All right, guys, if you have a question for Zeneca, we're going to switch over here to community corner here in just a minute. So I'll bring some people up on stage. Um, but yeah, Zeneca, I'll give you a chance right before we have some people come up to ask you questions. If you want to give a rundown of how the drop is going to work and um, you know what the details are so that anyone that is interested can know what to do the next couple of days. And then we're going to bring some people up for questions. Yeah, definitely. So the website is actually hopefully going to go out within a few hours, hopefully tonight before I go to sleep, which will have it all explained in much more detail. But the basic rundown is that there's going to be two tiers to the membership. 99% um, of people are going to be interested in the, the Genesis tier, what I'm calling Genesis, which is uh, the basic or like the lower tier or whatever. Um, the cost is 0.033 ETH. So 120, $150 or something. Um, and for that, I'm giving like lifetime access to what I'm calling Zen Academy, which is right now it's just my Discord, but I would hope that in the future I can grow this into a much more elaborate um, thing, which you know integrates all my content in a way that um, allows my content to be free, but also rewards people who own the NFT. And this is a way for me to get paid for that, I guess. Um, yeah, so lifetime access to that. And it basically begins with a Discord server and the, the drop will be sort of an open edition, meaning that there's not like a, a restricted number. So it'll be open for two weeks and then anyone can mint however many they want within that two week period. And then after that it closes and they'll never be available for like public sale again. So I mean, it has a benefit of, you know, gas is high right now. Hopefully at some point in the next two weeks, it's low um, at some point and people can choose when to mint. But um, if not, it's, it's like the actual token itself is an ERC 1155. 
So the actual NFT is basically just a letter that I've written myself and every one is the same. So because of that, because it's an ERC-1155, the gas cost to mint is just significantly lower than regular NFTs um, from a generative project. And uh, yeah, I think it shouldn't be too bad to launch even the gas heavy environment, um, especially if people are interested in minting multiple, you only pay gas once per transaction rather than once per NFT as with most other projects. So um, that's the, the lower tier. It'll be open for two weeks, probably starting this weekend. And uh, the, the higher tier is something sort of much more exclusive, which it's, there's going to be 333 of them and the mint price is 3.33 ETH. So obviously this is enormous. And it began as sort of an answer to the fact that um, I started sort of advising and consulting for projects a few weeks back. And I sent out this Google form and I had people, you know, fill out if they were interested in bringing me on. And I said my rate was going to be 6% of initial sale revenue. So, you know, most projects, 10,000 selling out at, you know, between 0.05 and 0.1, that's uh, what's that, 30 to 60 ETH um, is what they would be paying me if their project sold out. And I got 80 people willing to do that within 36 hours, 80 projects. <laughs> and then I had like another 50, like within the next week, people that were like, oh, I didn't see that you had a form. Can I still, can I get 20 minutes call? Can, can we chat? Can you have a look at my, and like all these people were just trying to get me to look at their project and get my views on whatever. And I was like, I literally can't. Like I generally like to help people. And a few months ago, if anyone asked me, I'd be like, yeah, sure. But now I just... I, I just get too many people reaching out every day that it's it's not possible. Um, so this tier began as a way where I was like, well, I'll create this higher price NFT. If you're launching a project, if you want my advice, it won't be like a full on me as an advisor, you know, having a video call every single day type deal, but I'll look at your project. I'll give some advice. We can have a call now and then, and I'll give you some feedback and just, just I guess, more access to me and my time. Um, and that's what it is. And it sort of evolved a bit beyond that, where I had a lot of people reaching out saying they just want to be a part of this smaller group, this smaller Discord, where with like-minded people who are there to learn. They might not launch a project now, but they might be looking to launch one in six or 12 months, um, and they want to just soak up information, connect, network. And so I, I have a whitelist process for that. It's not going to be available for public sale. There's like a Google form that you can fill out. Um, it's open now, uh, but you'll be able to see it on the website as well in a, in a couple of hours when it's live. And yeah, I've gotten about 1,400 people have applied for that already. So I, I have to go through and pick 300 and, uh, 320 actually, because there's 13 that'll be given away to other people for various reasons. But um, yeah, and, and it's going to be this sort of exclusive group of 333. And then um, I just, I hope to add value in the form of my time and thoughts and, and that kind of stuff. And then obviously I'm raising a significant, significant amount of money and I'm, going to try and do cool and interesting things with that but i just don't have a plan there's no roadmap per se you can on my website there's going to be a page literally called not a roadmap um and another page called the money so you can see what my plans are for the money because i think projects should be sort of transparent when they're raising significant funds um with what they're going to do even if they don't know what they're going to do they should say that um and so yeah my website it'll all be up there and if you check my twitter in a few hours hopefully it's tweeted out and that's my project yeah, that's awesome, man. I think, uh, I think, like I said before, you just you the way that you just talk through it for anyone that even is even thinking about doing a project. You just talking through how you thought about your project uh, can even give them some 
some insight um, because it's important about how you think about the ecosystem and the value you provide and what is needed from you. And uh, it's a really important. And I love that you're transparent about what you're going to do with the money. That's another thing that's always kind of on people's radar. And even with some of these bigger projects, it's hard to really know what the cash flow and stuff looks like as, as someone in the and knowing where it goes and it's uh it's important and i think we're going to continue to see more people focus on that from the get-go um and i think that's exciting because it allows you to really give back to the community even more and them to you know continue to build trust in you uh and i think that's a that's just the right way to go about it so um huge congrats on everything that you're doing and the way that you're thinking about it and innovating i think you're going to inspire a lot of people um after you man Awesome. Um, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. All right, guys. We are going to switch over here and we are going to go to Community Corner, which is your chance to ask some questions. So here's your time to hit that request button. And if you type it on that pinned tweet, it's more likely that'll bring you up. So let's do it. Get your catnip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner. Hey, all right. Time for another segment of Community Corner. We've got our first guy coming up, GF Social Life. Uh, he had commented in the uh, Twitter thread, and I think he's on stage now. Go ahead, man. Hello? Hello. Yeah, you're on stage. Hey. Go ahead, man. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? It's a pleasure to be here with you guys, uh, Zeneca and Craig and uh, Carl. Uh, my name is Damien. I'm uh, from Callisto Labs. But uh, one of the questions I had for you was, uh, you know, you guys uh, mentioned, um, you know, the, the gas fees and things like that. Why aren't more, more projects, you think, are launching on uh, Polygon? You know, and, uh, you know, that's that's the first question. And then the second part of that, what would be your recommendation with regards to, like, new artists with, like, really good, great art to be able to break through the noise, especially right now with, uh, you know, um, Coinbase about to launch their marketplace? It's going to be a lot more difficult for true artists, you know, to kind of like break through all of the noise that's literally about to hit the the, the NFT space. Over. Yeah, great questions. Um, so regarding the Polygon thing, I think that there's a couple of reasons. One is that it's just sort of an extra layer of friction for buyers to sort of they have to bridge money from ETH mainnet to Polygon and then back if they want to have it on mainnet. A lot of people you know, may not know how to do that, may not want to do that, may not want to pay the gas because you have to pay gas to bridge back and forth as well. Um, it's just an extra layer of friction there. But also I've, I've heard a lot of projects say that they've like, who have launched on Polygon complain about the Polygon network having all sorts of like infrastructure issues. So it's not just a, it's not like just a clearly better solution. Like it's, it's better. Yes, the gas is lower, but there are still other issues and things that are wrong with it. Um, I've, I've heard more, sort of positive things lately regarding Immutable X, which is another sort of gas-free um, solution that's still uh, EVM compatible, uh, Ethereum virtual machine compatible. And that I think is probably where we're going to see more projects launch. And I think that, um, yeah. And, and the second part of your question, what can a, like a really good artist do to sort of stand out from the crowd? And I mean, it is tough just because there's so much art and NFTs out there. Um, but it's, if the art is really, really good, it will eventually appeal to enough people. Um, so you just sort of need to stay in the space network. I think like, that's the number one thing, like just make friends, talk to people, 
not about your art, not about your project, just about the space. Like get to know one another and talk about other projects and just make friends and connections. And, you know, eventually people will get to know you. You, know, you have a community you can share things with or you can, you can you know, eventually share your art and uh, people will be much more willing to take a close look at it. They see if it appeals to them and if it does share it with their friends and then this sort of like organic growth will help it grow. Um, just, there, are, there are no shortcuts. You just need to spend a ton of time in the space sort of, integrating into the community and understanding how, you know, how the NFT community is, what people like and um, what they're willing to pay for and all that kind of stuff and chat with them and, you know, buy other art and support other artists and just, yeah, it just takes time. It really does. And and something I think we'll okay. see too is as we get uh, more and more people in the space, there's going to be different types of communities, right? Like different people will get involved. They'll kind of grow with uh, other people that are getting in around the same time. And, and you know, all uh, all tides raise, you know, and and we're going to see that happen in the spaces. Like, yeah, you know, you might, you're not going to have maybe as many followers as Zeneca right away or people won't be watching, but you're going to have other people that you're building up with and everyone's just going to continue to grow in the space um, because of the hard work that they put into it at the end of the day. Um, all right. Uh, the, the great question though. Thank you so much for coming up. We have someone that's having some connection issues. Rex, are you there? Yeah, he keeps coming on and off. So while we're waiting for him to see if he's able to come up, I'll ask one more question from the thread, which I thought was uh, really cool. It said, will Zeneca's newsletter incorporate any other blockchains beyond Ethereum network? Or uh, do you just plan on the Ethereum network for now with even the paid services? Uh, I, I just plan on Ethereum for now. I mean, my Discord, we've got channels set up for all the other chains so people community members can go and discuss and sometimes I go in there and I learn a bunch of stuff from them um, because I'm, I'm just not an expert. I think that I, I might do sort of single newsletter posts, sort of one post on Solana or like one post on non-ETH chain, sort of breaking it down, just giving this big picture view to people because a lot of people don't even know what Solana is or why it's different to Ethereum or Tezos or any of the others. Um, but in terms of sort of focused, dedicated content specific to other blockchains, I don't think I'm planning on doing that anytime soon just because, I mean, I, it's just so much to cover with Ethereum alone. And it, it's sort of where I've got a, most of my knowledge and experience that, um, yeah, I, I think yeah. hopefully someone else writes a newsletter it, on Solana. Exactly. And, and, and that's, that's exactly what I was talking about. As we continue to grow the entire ecosystem, there will be someone to fill that void. And, you know, for sure, someone is going to end up doing that because it's needed and someone will, you know, start writing newsletters on all the Solana projects. So I think that just goes to show, you know, how, you know, as you continue to get involved, there's just going to be different people for different communities. Uh, all right. And then someone had asked, um, wanted to ask a question about your Be Better thesis. And I was curious about that because I, I hadn't heard about that before. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, what's the question? It said, it, it said, I would like to ask a question about Zeneca's Be Better thesis, but he's having trouble connecting and I don't know what his exact question is. Yeah, I mean, my, my last newsletter post was all, it was titled Be Better and it was sort of this open letter to anyone launching an NFT project um, asking them to be better. And in, in essence, it was sort of like me saying that I, and I think most of the community 
we're fed up with these low effort projects being pumped out, you know, day in and day out, week in and week out, um, where it's just like another 10,000 generative animal picture, same sort of roadmap, you know, community wallet, then donation to charity, which is great. And then, um, you know, giveaways to communities and ETH or free NFTs. And then, um, you know, fully sell out, you know, we're going to make a comic, we're going to have merch, we're going to have a companion drop coming in a few weeks. Um, all these things like, and then there was a whole phase where everyone was like, Oh, we're going to have a DAO with passive yield and a token. And it's like, everyone is just copying what is kind of working and like not really innovating that much. And, um, the market just got flooded and oversaturated with these types of projects. And it was sort of a case of, we want to see better. And for a long time, those projects were selling out because the market was in such a state of mania, but now as we're in a bit of more bear market, as ETH prices are up, as gas prices are up, um, as buyers, we're just a lot more discerning with the projects that we're willing to invest in. Um, and it is just going to get tougher for projects to sell out. And they basically just have to be better to get yeah. our attention and to get our money. Um, and sort of like the, the good projects, the ones that people have been working on for a while, like even if you've been working on it for a few months, if you're not doing anything innovative or like you're not pushing the needle, you're not doing something to set you aside from the crowd, it's still going to be tough, even if you've like executed well and your art is good and all that kind of stuff. It's it's still it's not really like a license to print money, so to speak, or to sell out a ten thousand edition collection at point one or point oh five, even as it was even a month or two ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think we're just going to see, hopefully, a flight to quality. Um, we're seeing it now. Hopefully, it continues. I think you're. Uh, if anyone that was around in the crypto space in 2018, it's a huge reminder of the ICO craze, and everyone mm -hmm. was just buying at anything they could. You know, during these like coin offerings, and people made different crypto promises, and um, the ones like that's when Chainlink was born. But the quality projects were around then. They just it was harder to find them, and I think we're finding the same thing in this market. Yeah, there's definitely some incredible gems. In, like that have been launched this year that will probably still be launched in the next couple of months um, and tons of ones that are so, like quote unquote on discount or on sale right now because they've come down in price as the entire market has tanked um, and those are the ones that will rebound and be worth multiples of what they are right now but um, the majority of projects that I think have launched and will launch in the next probably forever <laughs> from now on will just <laughs> yeah. go, go to zero like yeah. we're just going to see Eventually, people stop doing them because we just stop buying them because there's no purpose in doing them anymore. And that's what happened in yeah. the ICO craze. Once people stopped doing the money, no one was buying anymore. The liquidity drew. And then it's like for you know a year or so, we just didn't see any more of them. Yeah. And then it's on to the next thing. And then it's on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like through any bear market, you get innovators. And then uh, you, there's going to be that market eventually in this space. And the ones that come up the other side will be the ones that are creating for years and decades into the future. And it's exciting to see who who will stand the test of time, man. But, yeah, for sure. All right. It has been such a fun hour, man. It, it always flies by. This time, I don't think I had any issues with recording, so I actually will have a podcast up with Zeneca instead of just having nice. a uh, a lost podcast like a lost Robbie or something. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you if you tuned in late, I will get that podcast up so you can go check it out. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you just came towards the middle or the half end of this hour, definitely go check out the podcast and uh, I'll upload it to the crazyaboutcryptoshow.com so you can listen to the whole thing. But thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in, for hanging out with us. And uh, make sure to go follow Zeneca if you haven't already because he's just constantly putting out great stuff. Um, all right, man. Zeneca, I'll see you later, man. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. This has been another production of Gutter Cat Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody, really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.